week's episode is brought to you by the letter T for tipsy. (laughs) Just kidding. Well, I do have a drink, but it's not like one that packs a punch. It could sneak up on me a little later, but you know, we're going to get through this episode. We're going to get through it like we usually do. I'm back at it again with the shenanigans, and you are listening to episode 10. That's right, episode 10 of Highly Melanated, Never Duplicated, and I am your host, Janice Jackson. As 2020 draws to a close, most of us are taking the time to sit back and reflect upon the year that we had. Me personally, I can only speak for myself. It's been pretty rough here. Like 2020 was not always kind to me. It It's had its ups and downs. It's had its moments. But in terms of growth, I think it's been a pretty good year. Of course, not physical growth. I'm 5'1 and not getting any taller, maybe shorter. But professional and personal growth, I've made a lot of progress, and I'm super proud of myself for that. The fact that I'm in a much better place than I was around this time last year is means for celebration. Like, if you knew me last year around this time, you probably know that I was a mess, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I was a mess, but I'm better now. Still working on myself, but I'm in a much better position, and I'm grateful for that. Hell, I started this podcast. You know I was just all talk at first. It was just all talk, and I finally said, you know what, start that podcast, and here we are. Here's the result, episode 10. I'm grateful for that. I did a lot of things that I said I would never do this year. Still trying to figure out if they're beneficial to me or not, but life is about learning and it's about living. And I'm just thankful for the journey and I'm glad to be here. Now that we got all that sappy stuff out of the way, look, I, I want to pose a question. Is there ever going to be a day when rooting for men doesn't reach back and slap me in the face? <laughs> Especially black men. I adore black men. I love black men. I've been rooting for black men, but sometimes black men make it hard. They make it difficult. (laughs) This week's conversation comes to us by way of big things popping, little things stopping. T.I. Tip Harris, you know, rapper, fellow podcaster on a much bigger scale than I, but that's what adds the fuel to the fire on this one. Yeah, he's he's disappointed me once again. For those who don't know, T.I. has a podcast titled Expeditiously with Tip T.I. Harris. And the episode that I'm referencing is back from November. I think it's like November 28th. That episode was released. But in that episode, he's having a discussion with 21 Savage and they get on the topic of, you know, how they raise their children. And it essentially becomes a conversation about how they raise their sons versus how they raise their daughters. And in very much T.I. fashion, he says that he raises his daughters a certain way because he doesn't want them to be, air quotes, thoughts. Oh, God, already stressful. And to add to that, he essentially calls quality time with his daughters thought prevention hours. 
What? <laughs> this is quite frustrating to me because this isn't the first time that T.I. has said something that is completely absurd to the point where you're just like, dude, are you serious or is this a joke? Like, is this supposed to be funny? Because it's uncomfortable. T.I. in the past has mentioned that he used to make one of his daughters go get a pap smear just to make sure that she wasn't having sex, that she was still a virgin. He wanted the results, trying to make sure her hymen was still intact. Sir, what? Beyond the fact that that's completely intrusive, like, let's just set that aside for a second. What makes this so much worse is that he's not raising his sons the same way. In fact, them having sex, his sons having sex is like a rite of passage in his eyes. That's okay. He's cool with that. He supports that. That's where I have an issue. That's where I've always had an issue. I've always had thoughts on this, even when I was younger. And what's sad is that T.I. is not the only man who thinks this way. He's definitely not the only black man who thinks this way. And just using T.I. as an example here, he believes that being intrusive, having these so-called air quote thought prevention hours is protecting his daughters and in his own words he says that his sons can't get pregnant so he's got to do this for his daughters because they can and it's just I want men to be different I want them to not think this way this is this is not a good way of thinking it's not a good way of looking at it Men with this outlook on how to raise daughters are typically the same men who say, I didn't learn to respect women until I had a daughter of my own. And people go crazy over that. It's just like, what about your mother? What about your sister? What about the child's mother? <laughs> like, what is really going on here? And what T.I. fails to understand here, clearly, it doesn't matter how many big words he uses, he lacks common sense, obviously. What he doesn't realize is that by raising his daughters one way and trying to so-called protect them and raising his sons in a completely opposite way, he's essentially raising his sons to be the men that he's trying to protect his daughters from, really trying to protect them from the man that he is. Why not just change, be a better person? I don't know. That's a concept. That is a concept. But that's too much work for him, I see. I'm very against T.I. on this one, if that wasn't clear yet. I have my own opinions on this. And being someone who's never really believed in policing people's bodies, I guess I can see why people teach little girls one way and little boys another. But I, I just don't agree with it. The problem with a lot of this, where the issue starts, is sex education. We are not going about the right ways of teaching our children about sex. Really think about sex education. Think about how you learned about sex. For girls, it's a lot of it's a lot of condemning them. They're told that there's really only two outcomes to having sex, getting pregnant and or an STI. 
They're made to feel as though sex can't really be enjoyable, and if they do enjoy it, that makes them a slut or a hoe or a harlot or any other derogatory name you can think of. And then you flip the script and educate boys, but it's a totally different ball game. then. Then it's more like boys are supposed to have sex. In fact, they're encouraged to have sex. In fact, it's the passage into manhood. They can think about it, they can have it, and instead of being condemned, they're congratulated. Not only have we created double standards, but we, we don't even realize the negative implications we've placed upon our children by doing that, especially within the black community. If we keep having individuals like T.I. educating children on sex, the hypersexualization of young black girls will never end, and there will continue to be a neglect towards the sexual health of young black boys. And aside from the misleading education, that's just one issue here, we still have parents, fathers, like T.I., who wish to be super intrusive and gatekeep the sexuality of their daughters. They exist, ladies and gentlemen. They're out there. When I heard that T.I. went to the gynecologist with his daughter regularly to get intel on whether or not her hymen was still intact. I simply was appalled. I was truly appalled. Excuse me? Who are you, the cootie cat cop? Like, this is just not, it doesn't make sense. It's extreme. And I don't know about anybody else, but it sounds a tad bit abusive. But T.I. isn't the only father like this. He isn't the only parent like this. I'm going to use myself as an example here. My mom made me very uncomfortable talking about sex with her. It it never felt like a comfortable environment when she would bring up the topic of sex. And this is no shade to my mom. Everybody knows I'm my mom's biggest fan. I love that woman to death. But I have to hold her accountable. She did not do this thing good. She did not do this correctly. At the age of 15, which was the age that I was allowed to start dating, my mom, out of fear that the first of her three daughters was going to get pregnant in her teens and be swept off her feet by some no good boy, began to hound me about sex. Like every time I went on a date, when I got home, the question was, did y'all have sex? I can't even tell y'all how many times I heard that question up until the point where I moved out. I heard that question so much that, damn, it's like imprinted in my brain. It it never failed. My mom was always asking, don't let me get sick and have a tummy ache. Oh, what are you, pregnant? Like, these are the things that I've heard repeatedly since I was 15 years old. And unfortunately, it created this hostile environment where I didn't want to talk about sex with my mom. I couldn't tell my mom that there were things that I was thinking about exploring sexually. My mom doesn't even know when I lost my virginity. And it's all because she just didn't create that safe space for me. And I know that probably wasn't her intention. She probably just didn't know the right way to go about it. But that's the consequence for that. Being the type of parent like T.I., being overly intrusive, 
it's not going to have the effect that you think it's going to have. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Sex is human nature. People have sex. That I mean, there's no way around that. People be having sex, okay? And it's everyone's natural right to explore their sexuality within means, of course. But everybody has the right to explore and enjoy their sexuality. And if we want to raise our daughters and sons to be individuals who have healthy sex lives, we have to go about educating them correctly. We have to go about protecting them correctly. And I'll tell you what, T.I.'s method of madness is not going to work. It hasn't been working. All right. So let's let's try something different. Let's try something new. And I'm not saying we go ahead and just teach kids like don't have sex altogether across the board. Nobody has sex. I'm not saying that's what you teach. What I'm saying is there's a better way to do all of this. There's a healthier way to do all of this with our daughters. Teach them that exploring their sexuality is natural give them the necessary resources to allow them to properly make a decision on whether or not they're ready to explore. Allow them to recognize that it isn't just pregnancy and STIs when it comes to sex. Provide them the necessary protection. Allow them to understand that they shouldn't be condemned for wanting to explore or exploring something that is human nature. For our sons, Stop making it seem like sex is a rite of passage into manhood. Teach them to simply respect people across the board so they're not the fathers who are talking about it took me having a daughter to finally respect women. Teach them that having sex doesn't make a girl a hoe or a slut or whatever men call women when they essentially do the same things as them. Let's just do better. We we don't need to be TIs in the world, all right? Just because he uses big words and fancy synonyms, it doesn't mean he knows what he's talking about. It probably means that he's read a dictionary before. But we we don't have to follow his philosophy, all right? Let's do better. And that's my rant for today. I had to get that off my chest. Twitter doesn't allow me to rant like I want to. So I said, why not bring it to the podcast? Before I let y'all go today, just a few quick notes. I'm reading this book titled Black Fatigue, How Racism Erodes the Mind, Body, and Spirit by Mary Frances Winters. A really good read. It's targeted towards white folks who are ignorant to their privilege and racism. It's really a good book for anybody to read. I definitely recommend it. But as I'm reading this book, and as I've been reading this book, it's become very clear that as black people, it's been our responsibility to educate white folks on where they got it messed up. And I'm realizing that that is quite exhausting. Like that's that's an emotional burden upon us to have to live in spaces and work in spaces with individuals who diminish our existence. And when we try to educate them, they do nothing with the knowledge that they're given. 
And it's very true that it's not all white people because some white people are ignorant and you give them the knowledge and they choose to try to better themselves. So it's not all white people. But you do have those white people who know that they have a privilege, who know that racism exists, and they choose to not acknowledge it because it doesn't bother them. It more so benefits them. So they're just like, hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that type of mentality, that type of ignorance has unfortunately plagued black people, continues to plague black people. And it's like, will there ever be a change? How do you navigate through this? Because it is truly exhausting. It's not exhausting to be black, but it's exhausting to live in a in a society where we're not appreciated and we're constantly trying to teach folks how to appreciate us and they continue to ignore it. And that's why if you follow me on Twitter, I know a lot of my listeners do, you saw that I had a rant about Jada Pinkett Smith and one of her latest episodes of Red Table Talk where she had Olivia Jade, the daughter of Lori Lawlin, Aunt Becky from Full House, the one who was involved in that um, scandal uh, scamming her daughter's way into college. That's why I took offense to that because it's like, why are you allowing this girl to come on your platform, creating a space for her to basically have a pity party, a PR stunt? Cause that, that's exactly what that was. I have a degree in public relations, so I know what a PR stunt looks like. Why are you allowing her the opportunity to use your platform to have a pity party, to beg for forgiveness when she's going to be just fine. She's going to be quite all right. She's young, she's rich, and she's white. The privilege speaks for itself. And that's why I, why I agreed with Jada Pinkett Smith's mom, Gammy, because she's absolutely right. Like, this girl is going to be okay. And to reach out to a group of black women for support that these three black women probably wouldn't be able to get in return, it's really like a slap in the face. And then for Jada Pinkett Smith to say she's not going to do unto white folks what white folks have done to us, you know, maybe she meant it in a different way. Maybe she meant to, she's going to be the bigger person, which black people have had to be all the time. But, you know, if you crack open a history book, a well-written one that doesn't try to sugarcoat things, you'll realize that white people have done some terrible things to the black community and continue to do terrible things to the black community. There's really no way you can replicate that. Really no way. So, you know, what exactly does I'm not going to do unto white folks what white folks have done to me or to us? What does that mean? What does that mean? White folks have been riding on the coattails of the black community for a long, long time now. A long time. And that's one of the many factors of the black fatigue. And then we have to turn around and be responsible for educating the white individuals, the white people, the system that has created this fatigue? Come on now. I, it, it's exhausting. I'm sorry if I got a little heated there, but this is just frustrating to me. But I can say that I, I appreciate Mary Frances Winters for creating this material. And 
offering Black people strategies on how to protect themselves from the Black fatigue while also giving white people the information they need to understand how they can actively dismantle the fatigue that they've caused. I've just been really interested in books like this lately and in reading them and gaining new knowledge because why not, you know, do the work and figure out how we can fight against the discriminations that we face. And I believe that as a as a community, as a black community, we still need to do the work. I know that we're constantly being the ones who have to educate, but we can still be the ones who learn because although within the black community our experiences are typically universal there's you know something that one person offers or one group offers that another group is not familiar with you could be a black man you could be a black woman you could be a black individual who exists within the lgbtq plus space we there's all there's always something for us to learn about ourselves or about our experiences And once we do the work to try to understand all the different experiences within the black community, that's when the togetherness really happens. And and we must remember that black liberation is not possible without the togetherness of the black community. Remember that, make a note of it, black liberation is not possible without the togetherness of the black community. All right, and I'm done being Professor Jackson. I've done enough work here. I've given you enough knowledge for one episode. I'm done. But one more final note. I know a lot of people burn sage in their house, in their living spaces to get rid of negative energy. But I don't think a lot of people look at themselves and wonder, am I the negative energy? Stop wasting your money on that sage. Stop burning it and start working on yourself. You might just be the problem. You might be. And I'll leave y'all with that message and toast to that. As always, drink your water, eat your veggies, eat your fruits, try to stay healthy. I've definitely been working out again. I've gotten my mild time to the lowest it's been since high school, probably. And I would just like to say that these thick thighs could probably save lives at this point. Getting my squats in as much as possible. Wear your mask. Uh, I'm not going to advocate for the vaccine just yet. Don't know about that one, but I will continue to wear my mask. (laughs) And stay positive. All right, I'm out, y'all.